to address something that I uh, came across. It was a CBC story, and it's about the fact that Western nations mark their ISIS uh, fighters for death, and Canada, they say, offers reintegration support. So we've got uh, our expert on the topic, Mubin Sheikh, with us. Uh, Mubin, thanks for being here. I, I know that you, you know, as soon as I hear stories like this, I think let's get moving on the horn. He can tell us what's going on. You know, Britain's special air service has been given a kill list of British jihadis. We hear that the U.S. Uh, say that it's our mission to make sure that any foreign fighter who is here, that being Syria, and joined ISIS from a foreign country and came into Syria, that they will die here in Syria. Uh, France, too, is eradicating uh, its jihads. Now, when CBC reached out to Canada's public safety department move in, they asked for a Um, They asked a question on it and they didn't respond. However, in the past, uh, spokesperson Dan Breen told the CBC that the government's focus is on changing minds. And he said, quote, returning foreign terrorist travelers and their families, specifically women and children, will require the appropriate disengagement and reintegration support. Mubin, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I think uh, what what Canada is giving is a very nice diplomatic response um, and they're right in what they're saying. I mean, when it comes to women and children, you know, we, we should probably have some kind of uh, reintegration uh, mechanism in place. This is true also for other countries, European countries, even France, even the UK, uh, where they realize that in these extreme cases of what, what we might term vulnerable uh, persons, women and children in particular, and especially where they have citizenship rights, uh, the government feels that there's an obligation to them, and so they'll try to help them out. But, I mean, with, with what you were saying previously, uh, you know, with Kill List and the SAS and French and Americans and British um, and Canadians. Uh, I mean, the Canadians probably won't admit that out loud, but uh, it's long been known from the beginning that uh, individuals who are there, who are found on the battlefield, will die on the battlefield. And that is a very appropriate response. I mean, we are talking about combatants who are engaged in, in fighting. So obviously you need to kill those people, and I've said this before as well, and sometimes people get a little, you know, uh, rustled because of that, but that's the reality. I mean, there's a war being fought. I mean, these people are actively fighting against coalition forces, so, you know, fire is going to be returned, and, and they will be killed. You know, the U.S. guy saying, um, you know, those who have come here are going to die here, uh, he's saying out loud what a lot of, uh, what, what they all believe and they all think and they're all doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.K., same thing. There was actually uh, not too long ago a representative from the U.K. home office, or I don't know which office, but he said the exact same thing. And people were like, oh, well, this or well, that. But, I mean, even according to international law, people understand that if you're if you're fighting, you're, you're going to get caught or you're going to get killed. The problem is that what do you do when these guys surrender, right? According to the Geneva Conventions, there are now more rights uh, on them. There are more obligations on the part of states, on their citizens. So that might get a little dicey. Uh, this is that gray area of returning foreign fighters. What do we do with them? You know, who is conducting their uh, their assessments? Who's conducting their counseling? And that's and that's the big issue right now. Are they likely to surrender? Because isn't that part of ISIS's things? You want to die a martyr? That is. I mean, um, but you know, you know the saying: everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm. Well, these guys they they claim that right. They they brag and they you know. Uh, sing the great praises of ISIS and this and that, and then guess what? When they're surrounded, they they surrender. So we we've seen many instances where a lot of these guys have surrendered on mass, um, you know, in certain places where so you have even local agreements where they're even letting foreign fighters leave 
certain places. There was an article not too long ago uh, within the last week on uh, the coalition forces had to basically watch uh, uh, hundreds of foreign fighters and their families uh, be uh, be allowed safe passage out of Raqqa, which was their capital. Wow, that's got to be tough. Yeah, it's 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 disastrous because mm. while we're hearing about oh ISIS is being beaten back and they're losing this city and they're losing that city, well those are the the cannon fodder that are left there to die, right? And they die, they will. Uh, but the rest of them uh, who are you know more senior, a lot of them who are foreign fighters, where are they going and where are they going to show up? And so that's the problem. So your, uh, I guess your stance on this is you just, you have, you have to have these kill lists. Yeah, you, you take them, you take as many out as you possibly can uh, who are in, uh, in the battle space. I mean, whether So was that the wrong thing to do, letting those people go? It's, a, it's absolutely wrong to let them right. go. I mean, uh, yeah, no, we shouldn't be letting them go. I mean, they're, I always ask, look, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a sensitive type person. I understand that in some cases you do need you know, psychosocial counseling and all that, you know, hug-a-thug type stuff. There's a place for that, right? And, and you have to make sure that you're getting the right people into that program. But for these guys who are out there, I mean, I've, I'm certainly on point with what everyone else is doing. These people do need to be, uh, they need to be killed. It's as simple as that. The return on our investments is what we need to pay attention to. So while we might want to feel nice about what we're doing, and have all these great programs and this and that. The question is, what are we getting from that? And that's the question that uh, you know we're going to keep having to ask ourselves. What's Canada getting out of being tight-lipped when France, the UK, and the US are saying, yeah, you know what, uh, returning foreign tourist travelers and their families, yeah, we can, uh, or you know, we're saying the the families are are good to go. We'll reintegrate you, but we're not saying that we possibly have a kill list as well. What do we have to gain from keeping that quiet when the you yeah. know our allies are saying, well, we do. You know, one thing is Canada is actually, although we're you know we're a middle power, we have a you know not a huge military. Canada actually has a very good track record of keeping their mouth shut. Um, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, you know the well now we talk about it openly, but the communication security establishment, which is basically our NSA, uh, you know it was formed in the 50s. It's under defense. The first review of that agency wasn't done until the 80s. Okay, when CSIS, the new agency, was created. So I'm just showing that in fact we are very very secretive about military stuff, national security stuff. Even only now are we even talking about JTF2? You know our our uh, counterterrorism unit. Uh, they, you know, they're they're very very tight lipped on on what kinds of things they do. So, Canada, you know, has that image of we're really nice and we're soft and we're whatever. But we we also have a track record of we get the job done. And so I think that's that's the reason why Canada is is being really tight lipped on this. Just it seems to be our uh, our example. I appreciate your time, Mubin. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Mubin Sheikh, a form, former CSIS and RCMP operative and counterterrorism expert.